0: My role, I feel, is to amplify voices and messages that aren't getting
1: heard otherwise. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and on today's show, we have Stuart Schuffman, who is otherwise known as Stewart. He runs the website BrokeAssStewart.com, and he's done a ton of things. He's got books. He had a show on IFC. He ran for mayor of San Francisco. So we talk all about Stuart's path and he's a really creative, super high energy guy. And I really loved meeting him. He's been such a part and a staple and a contributor to the creative community here in San Francisco for so many years. It was really a blast to get to know him. I also want to let you know that this episode has some cursing and has some F-bombs from Stuart, so just in case there's any little kids in the room or you want to be aware of the language to come, just wanted to give you a heads up. I'm excited for you guys to hear the episode, so let's get started. Stuart, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to meet you and talk to you. I've heard a lot about you, and uh, you've got you know quite, quite the big reputation in the Bay Area. <laughs> you've been doing your thing for a while with Broke-Ass Stewart. And I want to kick off and ask about this kind of evolution that's happened on the site, because it started out more travel, food, kind of this frugal lifestyle, mm-hmm. hence the title. And it's moved into more advocacy and kind of a voice for... The underground and the working class and all of that when did that transition happen and what kind of like spurred it on
0: oh that's a good question so there's i've always had a big mouth on me and i've always been thoughtful and cared about things that were bigger than myself um but you know and and the the i've always been um a socialist uh since i since i learned that like you don't have to steal from people all the time. You know, like once I realized you could share and there's ways you can do this. Like, so at a young age, I, I had, had had these principles and they, they, were, they did work themselves out in my writing to a certain extent. But like, uh, as I've gotten older and gotten more articulate at what I'm doing and also as we've hit this, I mean, I'm just a product of the world around me. You know, but, uh, there's a lot of this going on and I just happen to be a loud voice. You know, um, I've got to a place where for some reason people fucking listen to me. And because of that... Um, it allows me to amplify voices that wouldn't get heard otherwise. So another funny thing about my website is that, well, if I knew that I'd still be doing this and especially doing this in this way, when I started this, when I was like 23, yeah, I'm 37 now. Like, I don't know if I would have chosen the name broke ass Stewart. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of issues I have with that. So many, but, um, <laughs> but so, but people then I always realize that, like we have, we have tons of writers. We have dozens of writers. Right. And so, People just expect, people don't read bylines. Unless you're a writer, you don't read a byline generally. So there'll be like an article where somebody, for example, uh, this woman, Jay, uh, she is a Mexican-American. And she wrote this tongue-in-cheek article about um, Dia de los Muertos being like Mexican Halloween, right? But for some reason, people thought I wrote it. (laughs) So I got all this shit. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to tell
1: her how to write about her culture. Right, right. There's so a, you, you need to communicate that BrokeassStewart uh, .com is not just yeah. Stewart. Yeah, it's yeah. it's
0: complicated, you know, because we have all you know, like we have, uh, you know, Shakina was writing for the site for a while, and she's a transgender woman, and she wrote about dating as a trans person. You know, Jamal has written about uh, being a black guy who's a bartender and the double standard that people think that black people don't tip. And him dealing with that that thing on both sides of the uh, of the bar, you know. So it's like you know, it's really interesting and really great to have that insight. But I didn't write it, right? You know? right.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I love that that you kind of you always had this in you, this kind of eye towards advocacy and it's just kind of emerged gradually as you've matured and as your interests have kind of grown in the impact you want to have with this this voice that you developed right
0: totally i mean even like remember in my new york city book there's a talking about like i mean i talk about a lot there's I throw a lot of things in there about like basically burning the whole fucking system down <laughs> a bit like you know uh and how uh because there, there's this this store in lower manhattan i'm still there i think it's called like Twenty first century or something like that. It's not. It's not Forever Twenty One. Things like Century Twenty One. Oh,
1: Century Twenty One. Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, I wrote this whole screed in there in my review about it because it cheap clothes, or whatever. But talk about how like um, you know, <laughs> that fucking being there. Like imagine being there on Christmas or like in the group that Black Friday or something like that. And it's like that's just like capitalism watching people tear each other's faces off, you know. And so kind of like just like digging into that. And then as I get older and more articulate, I think and, and thought more about these things that I was already feeling. I was able to put them out there in a different way.
1: So you give talks, you write, you do a lot of different things and you're kind of building this multimedia platform. I'd love to get a sense of what a typical month, even though it may never be typical, like what is, what's the pie of your creative work life look like? Like what are the different slivers that make up everything that you're doing? I work
0: from home mostly and I like, it's weird because I'm naturally an outgoing person. Right. Uh, and as we've gotten older, I've I've and you know, worked from home for so long, I've, I've started to need more alone time when I don't have it. But um, I, I spend a lot of time alone, and then the opposite is, then I also spend the opposite time really social and really out there.
1: Right. You know? um, but is that alone time like what? What projects are you heads down on?
0: There's so many. Like, I mean, the the best thing and the worst thing about me is that I want to do everything, and I'm, and I get and I, comp- I accomplish more things than I than I think most people in terms of like f- finishing projects I start. But um, but I also want to do everything, you know. Like I don't care if I make money. It's I mean it's terrible. I'm really bad at making money. Uh, but I just want to make things. I want to create things that, that touch people, whether it makes them laugh or makes them feel like nostalgic feelings or makes them pee in their pants. You know, like I want people to emote. Yeah. And um I get to do that. It's pretty cool. So I mean, but you know, so it varies. Like, for example, last night I helped present a um myself and my buddy Stroy Moyd, who's a very funny comic. Um, we put on a show called it was uh the fuck your new year's resolution comedy show <laughs> and um so for that i did two minutes of stand-up at the beginning uh which i don't really do stand-up but like you know why Yeah, not? i was gonna ask yeah. why not i mean my problem i was just talking with quincy on the way out my roommate on the way over here on the way out the door and i was just like telling her about it and she's like you should do more stand-up and i was like yeah but i already work so hard on everything else and stand-up is a lot of work i can't add something that big on my plate right now yeah but yeah. uh so you know anything from that um you know i throw there's always some kind of event, you know, at least once every month or two, there's an event I do. Um, then there's stuff that like, what's not work at this point, you know? Cause like, you know, social media is part of my job. And so like right. me going out to an event, you know, The other night I went out to 7 by 7 booze and food party. And like if I was Instagramming that, would that have been work?
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know? Sure. Are you writing all the time? Either writing for like the stand-up gig or for talks or for the website? Or are you working on like new books? I'm never writing. I'm barely writing. It's terrible. Okay.
0: I spend most of my time trying to keep this whole thing afloat,
1: to be honest. Um, The whole thing meaning like all the different things you do and the website? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to find money to make it happen. That's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, and I, you launched you launched a Patreon.
0: That's the the, the Patreon is the only thing that's going to keep this thing sustainable because in the, in the next five years you're going to see the the whole space of digital media implode. So there's a couple of reasons for this. One of them is that um, by digital media I mean publishing, hmm. uh, blogs, websites, that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, podcasts are exploding, but then there's going to be too many, and that will go back, whatever. But anyway, yeah, so with let's, digital let's media, it, yeah. So, you have a couple of different categories. You have a category that you saw like SFist, which was part of the Gothamist Network, which is a conglomerate owned by somebody who can pull the plug whenever the fuck they want. Once they decide that they're an asshole or that they're not making the right amount of money, they are going to pull the plug. So, you're gonna see a lot of conglomerates like that disappear. You're also gonna see a lot of uh, things that are venture capital funded disappear because the VC guys, they want their fucking money, you know, and they're not gonna get their fucking money because there's not the whole system for making money in media is broken. So, it's so important for me to stay independent yeah. because in the end of the day, I will be the only one left. And I don't mean this from a competitive standpoint because I'm not a very competitive person. I just want to do stuff and I just yeah. want but it, that's just how, how it's going to break down. So like for this, and, and I think look at what I do is like, is a resource for the community. You know, whether you're, you know, people have like found events to my website and and then met each other and fell in love and got married. You know, <laughs> people have found out, you know, a protest that they didn't know about and they go show up and they, they voice their fucking opinions. You know? Yeah. Like it's a re- community resource. Yeah. And, you know, getting the community to realize that the things that they consume for free cost money to make is a difficult thing. Right. Because we have, if a generation is 20 years, we've had an entire generation of people getting stuff for free since Napster came out. That's 20 years ago. That was 1998, 1999. So it's hard to get people to realize the things that they get for free cost money to make. So the cool thing about Patreon is people are starting to realize that we're at over $1,200 a month, which is great. Yeah. We need to get to $4,500 a month to be fully sustainable. And so anyways, so I spend a lot of my time because we do make money in other ways, it's, whether it's the beer passport or we're working on the coffee passport right now. Oh, cool. And the idea with that was the beer passport was like, you buy uh, this, this passport, this booklet from me, and in it is a coupon for a beer at 30 different bars. Wow. So we're working on the coffee passport right now. We've done a few passports for beer. We've done one, you know, a couple in San Francisco, a couple in Oakland. They're very successful, and they do a huge job of helping keep this site afloat. Because yeah. an article needs like literally like 1,500 views before it makes a dollar. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's a ton.
0: Of like the banner ads, you sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. And so,
1: and that's what you're running for for the past many years, right? You're doing the advertising on the right. site, right? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. so really, so I spend time rather setting up these things or really like, we have like direct advertisers. Like we work with the symphony a lot. Yep. Uh, work with cannabis clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. Trying to get to, to create content for them and run it on my site. Yeah. So
1: you've kind of like, I mean. This happens in careers, right? Where you're kind of working your way up within your own organization. Yeah. So you're working on larger partnerships. How can the infrastructure maintain versus like you said, not really doing as much writing as you did? You you want to work on the whole structure and, and get things established and I don't want to do it. I have
0: to do it. Right. I hate doing it. I'd <laughs> rather write. I'd rather create, but I don't have that option. Yeah. You know, so and, and luckily, like I've got a great team. Um Alex runs the site with me. He does as much as I do pretty much in terms of like partnerships and also writing and stuff. He probably does even more writing than I do. Ileana is fantastic. She does all the calendaring, all the, she puts together the email blast. I've got a great, great contributors, you know, uh, but it's hard. I pay terribly because I can't afford to pay well. Right. Because there's just not enough money. So it's all about figuring out, you know, how to make this fucking weird life that I have. Right. This weird, I guess, quote, unquote, business that I have work. Yeah. And that's what I spend most of my time
1: doing. (laughs) Hey everyone, I wanna tell you about our partner, Bond. It's a new creative conference here in San Francisco coming up on March 9th and March 10th and it's all about how you can make a living out of your creative practice, out of your projects, out of your business online. And it's brought to you by the company Backerkit which helps you organize and schedule and ship and do all the logistics for your Kickstarter campaigns. Bond is gonna be an amazing conference. I'm so excited to be a part of it. I'll be speaking there about marketing and you're gonna hear from people who have built huge online communities that have helped their creative visions thrive online and actually built businesses around what they do. You're gonna hear from people from Patreon, from Kickstarter, and really amazing speakers who are gonna give you the tools and the inspiration you need to build your creative businesses online. Jesse Janae is going to be there, who I interviewed for the show a few episodes ago, and so many others. So check out bond.backerkit.com. You can get all the information about the conference, learn more, and definitely join in, grab a ticket, and join us. And be sure to follow Making Ways on Twitter at making We're going to be tweeting out a special offer code for 10% off. listeners so that you guys can get in the door at a reduced rate as well. Thanks so much to our partner, Bond, and let's get back to the show. So let's rewind a little bit, uh, a couple or a few years ago, now, where you ran for mayor of mm-hmm. San Francisco, this is correct. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm wondering if Young Stewart would have predicted this kind of political turn, or this was kind of a, a shock to the system for you. Oh, I don't know.
0: I think at any point in my life, I probably be like, "Yeah, I'm totally fucking doing that." But the fact that I actually did it is the difference,
1: right? You right. know. And what was the experience like? I mean, you 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 did it to push buttons, but you also, I mean, you had a platform. You were trying to uh you were trying to make change yeah so what was the experience like and 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 how did it go and did you feel like being able to broadcast your message influence things a bit
0: i i like to say that the running for mayor was like out of all the stupid things i've ever done it was the smartest
1: <laughs> um yeah and what and what do you mean by that like it, it it actually helped make some change
0: um i think that it, it- you know, because it was it was the year before 2016. Right. So it was, this, in a way, this ramp up to getting people, like... Because my goal wasn't to win. If I had won, we would all be in real big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so the goal was never to win. But the goal was to, like, get people to pay attention, get people to care, get people involved, and push ideas that, that like, a regular candidate may not have been able to push. And I, I checked all those boxes off magnificently. And it was great. Um, but, you know... And by getting people focused and to care, like we had more people involved, I think for the coming year, unfortunately we still lost the the big election, but we had some great things happen locally.
1: Yeah. And so you grew up in San Diego, you went to school at UC Santa Cruz, Mm -hmm. and then you came to San Francisco. And I was reading a, a, a story where you're working in a candy store and a friend's fiance came in and tell, tell me a little bit about, about this. So, you, the, this is where the seed planted of of becoming a travel writer, and so I want to hear a little bit about that. What was appealing about it for you, and your first big break? So a few a few things there, but tell me mm-hmm. that story, and then tell me like what happened after that.
0: Well, I um I've always loved travel. I've always liked writing. I mean, think about those words together, the travel writer. Yeah. Those are sexy words. Yeah, it's kind of they a dream, sexy, right? sexy, sexy words. Yeah, yeah.
1: Basically get paid to tour the world right, and, and uh, write, about uh, it. write about it. Yeah.
0: So I was 23. I was working in uh, Z Chocolate in North Beach, which is a candy store that's still there. And um, this guy, Andy Keith, who grew up in my neighborhood, down the street from me, he came in with uh, Melissa, who's his w- now wife, um, and it was his girlfriend then, or his fiance, and they're, they're talking, and I hadn't seen the guy in years. Uh, he, was, he was older than me growing up. You know, she gave me a business card. I and mean, they're added travel writer. I was like, shit, I want to be a travel writer. So I decided to become one. And I started making broke ass stewards guide living cheaply in San Francisco as a zine.
1: So uh, you yeah, you saw it and you were like, Well, I'm not gonna go apply to something. I'm just gonna i I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it myself and start building it up. Right. I
0: mean, I just like I was like, I can I can make a career, I can Right and this. I don't need anybody to do this. I can do this myself. And I sold them out of my backpack. And I was in like thirty stores in San Francisco doing all the distribution by my backpack and walking and bus pass. You
1: know. So you started out making just printed zines, mm-hmm. photocopied, and you you just get them around with, and they were for sale. Or? Yeah, they're yeah. for sale.
0: I mean, and originally it was like, oh, I can make a little extra money to go to Burning Man. You know. Yeah. And then uh, I went to Burning Man, and I, I've not been back since actually. Oh was, wow. Okay. I, it was it was a great time, but like there's so many other cities to visit besides Black Rock City. You know.
1: Yeah. But um, so it did so and it did not start online it was just paper I started
0: started uh, as a zine yep yeah yeah I started as a zine and then um then uh, i did a couple of those and they got quite popular when the samsco bay guardian still existed i i won best of the bay best zine 2 years in a row wow that they used to be a best zine category uh cuz you know this is like 2003 2004 or 2004 2005 something like that you know so pretty early on
1: yeah um, and what what did you love about making zines and how did you how did you get into it? Were you just like, this is how I'm going to make it happen?
0: I mean, I didn't, th- I had no fucking clue I'd be doing this now. <laughs> you know, I li- like, there's no fucking way I thought when I was 23, I'd still be doing this when I'm nearly 40 <laughs> and that I'd be do on, you know, have done all these things. You know, there's no way. Uh, it, I'm also to this day though, I'm not very good at long term thinking. I, I can tell you what I'm going to do ne- next week.
1: Yep. But I don't have a five-year plan. Yeah. You know, like. So the idea was like, I want to be a travel writer. This is a way to get the ideas out across the city. I'm going to write this zine, get it out. And-
0: yeah. And then what happened was uh, a good buddy of mine who I grew up with, Josh Katz, his uncle had been an, a writer at Lonely Planet in the 90s. And uh, he's lo- he's here. Uh, so uh, I gave a copy of my zine to him and he gave it to somebody who knew at Lonely Planet and they liked it. So then they let me do a trial for them where I did the you know this whole thing and then they liked that. And then um, they said, "Where do you want to go?" And I said, "I'll go fucking anywhere," you know, which I wasn't qualified to go anywhere. I mean, right. They, I was qualified to go to a few places. Yeah, yeah. You know, like and you know, because I speak okay English and decent Spanish. So, like, <laughs> your English is good so far. Thank you. I'm working on it. Um. So and so, I you know, I so Lonely Planet. I mean, that was a, that was
1: a break. It that was huge. Yeah. yeah. I
0: got I, I from Lonely Planet. I got to go to Ireland and write and travel through Ireland and, and write about it. And you know, I did the lonely planet the ireland chapter for uh, europe on a shoestring and western europe wow it was a great experience and it was it was a pivotal, pivotal moment too cuz i just uh, when I'd, uh, I'd gotten that gig i'd just broken up with my first real serious girlfriend and so um it was like you know a shift it was like that part of that part of my life's over i'm now graduating on to being uh, travel writer, I quit my fucking restaurant job. This is, I, I can't tell you how many times there's been at least twice where I'm like, I'm out of this forever, fuck all of y'all, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. fuck you, fuck <laughs> you, fuck you, not really. There's good. a montage of you doing <laughs> yeah. that and then coming back. Yep, yep, I've been <laughs> <laughs> twice. The first time was when I had Lonely Planet, uh, I was like, I and mean, I didn't really say fuck you to everybody, but I was like, yep, I'm out of the restaurant game, bye. Then I was back, uh, and then, <laughs> and then like, uh, when I when I got the TV show is same kind of thing. I was like, I'm i I'm a TV star now, motherfuckers, no more restaurants for me.
1: And then I was back working in bars like eight months later. <laughs> that's, that's hysterical. Well, why don't we talk about that? So you've had three books uh-huh. that you've made and you had this TV show on IFC. What was it called? Bold. It was young, broken, beautiful, young, young, broke and beautiful. And you know, I want to hear about what that process was like. So like how, how did it how did it become a TV show? And also I'm just curious, kind of the behind-the-scenes like creative process yes. of turning what you were doing into a show. So and what year yeah, what year was this?
0: So you know, so after doing Lonely Planet, I came back and I wanted to still do Broke Ass Stewart, but like I, you know, I, I didn't want to do zines and distribute distribute them through my fucking shoe leather, you know. So yeah.
1: were you thinking about like, oh, now I worked for Lonely Planet? Like I'll be a I'll be a travel writer for hire and I'll work for other. Companies. Yeah, I
0: mean, I just learned the freelance. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I yeah. started to freelance that way. Yeah, uh, But, you know, uh, this is a true story. This is 2005 or 2006. I found a book deal on Craigslist. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so my San Francisco book came out. It was Broke-Ass Stewart's Guide to Living Cheaply in San Francisco. It was a book form of the zines I was doing.
1: Great. It was like kind of a collection of the best of or organized.
0: It was like all the information and then plus another third. Great. You know? And so then, um, and then the book deal was for two books. So then I moved to New York, and I did the New York book. And so then I moved back here after being in New York for a year, and I did. Uh, so when my New York book was coming out, um, I was interviewed by Gothamist, which no longer exists, R.I.P. And one of the questions was, "What do you want to do next?" And I said, "I want a motherfucking TV show," because <laughs> I had just gotten into Anthony Bourdain's show, you know. And I was like, "I was like, I can do that." And so I. Once again, I was like, I I want a TV show. How do I make... I'm going to make this happen.
1: Yeah. And so... um, You put it out into the world. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But but not in some like... Fucking like, Not, in, yeah, yeah. I hate that shit. That fucking like, you know, if you just you just put out the world, the world provides for you. That is to me is like the most entitled white person shit in the world, <laughs> you know. But I mean, I put it out there. I put out the intention then I fucking hustle my ass off to make it happen. You right, know, right? Chased on every lead, called every motherfucker I could, you know. And- so,
1: was, so you, it's in the interview, and then and then and you hear yourself say it, and you go, wait, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah that is what I want to do. So, yeah, so you made calls, you made lists, like. Who- so what happened
0: was, no, I put it out there, and it was in an interview, and a few some different uh, producers reached. Out to me, and um, I really vibed and connected with this guy Sam Erickson, and so we put our heads together, and um, we're like, "Let's make a show," you know.
1: Was every episode in a different city? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, but I mean, we shot a um, a pilot. The first time we shot was, and so I think I flew out to New York. Okay, I flew out to New York, and he paid for it, and um, we shot this little pilot, ten minute sizzle reel, and then he showed that to somebody at um, IFC because his wife was in the entertainment industry so uh he showed it some at IFC and they liked it and they said okay we're going to give you some money to make one specifically for us so we shot that here in San Francisco yeah another 10 minute reel <laughs> it's fucking really cool cuz i mean this was like San Francisco 2010 it was like before the fuckery that's now and um <laughs> i still re- was really in love with the city then and um and it was it's a really cool little thing and so we got back to IFC they made notes we made some edits, yada yada yada, and then they eventually gave it the green light. but from from the time we shot the first thing, for example, so my book came out in 2000 the end of 2008, right? So I probably started talking to Sam in 2009. Mm-hmm. We didn't start shooting the actual green lit TV show till 2011. Wow. so it took two years. To make that happen.
1: Yeah, just the development process, the, the, the planning of it, the back and forth, the eventually mm-hmm. getting everything uh, you said, getting IFC on board. And yeah. Wow, two
0: years. Two years. You and, know? And, so, and then what happened, yeah. And then um, the show, we, we made a really great show. Actually, we made a fantastic show. But unfortunately, that's not the show that aired. <laughs> um, we made a fantastic show, and the show that aired was good.
1: So what do you mean you guys produce a show you handed it over and then they read
0: everything was in the can everything we shot was in the can and ready but right about, about the time we finished IFC decided that it was now a comedy network and we shot some funny stuff but it wasn't a comedy show it was a travel show that had some funny moments sure so they brought in a producer to on the back end to like one episode they literally put in slide whistles. and I was like, I I threw a fit. I don't lose my shit very often. Yeah. I threw a fucking fit. I was like, fucking slide whistles. What is this this fucking bozo, the clown shit? You know, like
1: they tried to turn it from a a travel show, you know, to, to, to comedy. Yeah.
0: And they did it in in post-production. So like, so then there was a big fallout between, um, the production company and IFC over it. So they didn't pick it back up, you know, unfortunately. I mean, it's still a great show. It's still a good show. And I still have like a number of, I still have, you know, even today, somebody on Instagram was telling me how they've been following me since uh, the show.
1: Yeah, you know. So and that, have you thought about, or I don't know, legally how it works? Like, is this something where you can bring to a travel channel or a different? I
0: could. I mean, we, we went we went down those routes. Nobody was seemed interested at the moment. You know, yeah. TV's a really fickle thing, and right now, TV's trying to figure out what the fuck it's doing. You know, right, I mean? right. So you know, th- I'm working on other projects. I'm always working on other projects. Yeah,
1: yeah. You've done stuff on for YouTube and yeah, yeah. different things like that. So
0: I'm working on um, you
1: know a few other projects
0: right now that hopefully, some web series that will hopefully happen. So when you were
1: all the way back, when you were a kid, little Stuart, mm-hmm. did you have ideas around a traditional career Job. I never wanted to work nine to five ever, (laughs) ever, ever. Really, even when you were, what, what what was in you at such a young age where you're like, yeah, no, I don't want to do any of that typical stuff. Like, I'm just a weirdo. (laughs) You know,
0: I've always kind of just been uh, beating my own drum.
1: Did you grow up in a household where it was like really encouraged to just kind of be yourself, do whatever makes you happy, that Mm -hmm. kind of? Yeah,
0: very much so. My parents are awesome.
1: So, you're still figuring this out, but you have been doing it for a little while. Do you have advice for people who want to, you know, be creating content on their own and building media on their own, and maybe looking back, things you would have done differently? Uh, just advice for people. I mean, obviously, there's so many people out there, you know, doing podcasts, making mm-hmm. websites, trying to make money as you know, social media, all, right. all that stuff. Like, what what have you learned from your your time doing it?
0: Doing things differently. Uh, the one thing I would have done differently is there was a point where, um, cause I've got a New York book and the point where we were going to, um, outsource. So there'd be a Boston book and a Chicago book and have other writers do them. And, um, it, the, the deal fell apart cause the money didn't work. And I, and I in retrospect, it would have been better for me. I think brand wise to be like, fuck it, I'll make this, I'll make $10 and just make this shit that happen. So that way, um, it, you know, I'd have that brand in those cities as well.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask about kind of like, yeah, franchising it. Outer. But but other than that, um
0: there's not much I would do differently because it, everything changes so quickly. We, you know, it's not like you know. Print media was print was like a, a, uh, the medium for so long that what you were doing in 1920 still made sense in 1960. You know, what I was doing in 19 in 2003 doesn't make sense for 2013 or 2023. You know, so. I've adapted in the best way I can. And it's worked most of the time, but like, it's, I'm still, um, can't keep up with like, you know, I'm a, I've got a small team. So like, you know, I do so many things and, and Alex and Ileana they do so many things that like really at any given day I am doing social media. I'm doing marketing. I'm doing sales. I'm doing editing. Right. Uh, business development, I guess, like, there's, those are six different jobs for six different people. <laughs> right. If, if, for, if a real fucking company. Right. I, I And I don't do any of them that well. I mean, I do them well enough. Yeah. There's some, because certain of it, some of it comes innate to me. Like the social media stuff, I just get because I understand people. You yeah. know, the writing yeah. is something that I just do. But the rest of it's just shit that I have to figure out. Right. We need a data. If someone wants to be a data analyst and tell us what the fuck these numbers mean, great. Please <laughs> volunteer your time. You probably make money as a data analyst. We don't. So, like, but that's the,
1: that's the thing, you know? And so, um, it's kind of knowing knowing what you don't know and and trying to trying to fill in the blanks. Maybe that's something coming up for this year to to think about. Oh, what are the what are the brains we need to? Oh, I know, it. Of- I just
0: can't afford them. That's the thing. Like I know I know how to do what I want to do. I just can't afford it. Yeah, that's why the Patreon is so important. Yeah, if we can get this thing sustainable, if we can get this into forty five hundred dollars a month, so that we know that all the costs are covered. That I know that my I can pay rent. I know that my team can pay their rent. I know that I can pay my riders, I can pay my servers... That changes everything. Yeah, it's just, that, that's like so much that stress. Then we can focus on actual growth. Yeah, and actually like bringing this thing that's really cool to so many more people.
1: Stuart, it's been really, really great talking to you, and uh, wishing you tons of success with the Patreon. Yeah, thanks for everything you do for the city, from advocacy to uh, shining a light on on voices that aren't usually heard, and everything in between. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Cheers. That was my conversation with Stuart Shuffman. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. It was really fun and really great to meet Stuart. Thank you so much for joining the show and being so open, as you always are, about your path, what you've been up to, and the real hustle that you put behind all the creative projects that you work on. You guys should definitely follow along with Stuart on all his social media, on the website, brokeassstewart.com, and everything in between for Stuart. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter at makingways.co. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on iTunes. It's a really incredible way for more people to learn about the show. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix too. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.